Welcome to Dream Makers, candid conversations with women that will change the way you see success, purpose, and what it takes to bridge the two. I call these women Dream Makers because they use their rebel nature to achieve their dreams and lift people and communities up. They simply can't have one without the other. And I want to learn how they do it so that more of us can find purpose while pursuing growth. So we open up a bottle of wine and we talk. I'm Neha Sampat, a three-time tech founder and CEO with a focus on meaningful companies that are places to dream big, build up, and do good. I'm CEO of Content Stack, a modern technology stack for digital content, but also a certified sommelier, hence the wine. Today, I'm joined by Tracy Milligan, a woman who believes an abundant life should be accessible to all, and she fights for it. Tracy is founder and CEO of Term Payments, a pioneer in online layaway, and founder and executive director of the Milligan Foundation, a relocation resource for victims of domestic violence and human trafficking. Hey, Tracy. Hey, hey, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us. That was a wonderful intro, thank you. (laughs) Can I take you on the road? (laughs) Your journey is one of the most non-traditional that I have ever seen. You've been a model and then an Army Reserve combat medic, an investor in real estate and music, a commercial plumber. Yeah. And a founder and CEO a few times over. What would you say is your through line? My through line has always been to help people in, in any way, in any regard. Everything that I've done, it touches on helping someone achieve an end goal. So from the real estate end, that was helping investors or developers find properties, develop properties. Even as a model, being a model, that's helping a designer showcase his wear, showcase his designs to to the best of my ability. And that's it. That's that's been the consistent part and where where I'm most comfortable. As long as I know I'm helping someone, I'm good. And I can attest to that just knowing you for the last few years. And every time I've run into a challenge, I see you stepping in and wanting to help. And I've seen it time and time again. And it's just like a part of your nature. So that's very true yeah. to, to who you are. Um, okay, well, let's pour a glass of wine. So I shipped I shipped Tracy a bottle of wine and I have the same one here. It is a Prunotto Barolo and it's a 2015. So we're both going to pour ourselves some and just share a little bit about what it is. And I will be including the label and a link in the in the, <laughs> the podcast. It's a little tough to see, but it's actually a really beautiful garnet color. Kind of like if you're used to American wines, you would think of like a Pinot Noir being this color. Yeah. But it doesn't taste anything like a Pinot Noir. It's It's got some really great acidity and like red fruit. And it's almost like something that because it's an Italian wine kind of makes you think of like stewed fruit or like Mm -hmm. that acidity really shines through. So I'm going to take a sip. This is really nice. It's such a beautiful wine. I love Barolo. It comes from Piemonte in Italy or Piedmont as some of us would call it. And it's, it's all from Nebbiolo grapes, which um, just makes it like really special, a little bit of like dark fruit and, and red fruit and like that, that acidity that comes through that makes you really crave like a, an acidic food, like maybe an Italian food or a pizza. Pizza and Barolo is like my favorite go-to. Um, so we'll keep tasting and talking about the wine along, along the way, but let's jump in. And I want to hear from you, Tracy, what makes you a dream maker? And to me, a dream maker is someone that balances profit and purpose and really like lifts up 
the people around them and the communities around them along the way? What makes you a dream maker? Uh, I think what makes me a dream maker is I made a very conscious decision to dedicate really the rest of my life to helping people and what was the best way I could do that. And that's where the foundation started or happened, I should say, um, because I myself am a domestic violence survivor and I was in a very life-threatening situation. I'll just, I'll just put it light. I won't go deep on that, but, um, I lived in shelters for almost two and a half years. And the in shelter that I was at, because I was even homeless for a bit um, with two kids, uh, because it, it took some doing to get to a shelter. Because what I found out when I left my abuser was that um, shelters, if, if your abuser is particularly dangerous, they won't take you. And that was why I was on the street with my kids. And so when I did finally make it uh, to my in shelter, which was hundreds of miles away, sitting in group session with the other women who were residents there, listening to their stories of what they went through, but more their stories of what it took for them to get to that shelter was incredible. I mean, there was one woman who literally hitchhiked across America <laughs> to get to a shelter. And I thought that was, that was absolutely crazy. And uh, the story that I, that I talk about when I'm speaking is of a mother of six who needed to get out of town, who, who was assaulted, seriously assaulted by her husband and the doctor who was treating her cause she was put in the hospital cause the assault was that serious called in a counselor for her because he recognized that it was domestic violence. And the counselor asked her, you know, do you want to leave? Can, can we get you out of this situation? And she was like, no, I don't have any resources. And that counselor was like, let me make some calls. And that counselor knew the director of the shelter that I was at. And the shelter that I was at was funded by Hollywood money. So they had some good donors with deep pockets. And the director called one of the donors and said, hey, we need seven one-way tickets tonight. And that donor broke out the Black American Express and bought those seven one-way tickets. And that was how that woman got away. And I thought saving someone's life in that manner should not take a miracle. I mean, that was being in the, the, the right place with the right doctor, with the right counselor who knew the right person, who had the right donor. I mean, that was, that was a gathering of just, it was, it was a miracle. Yeah. And so I said, it shouldn't take a miracle to save someone's life. So while I was in the shelter was actually when I decided to start the Milligan Foundation. I hadn't come up with a name, but I just said, when I get on my feet, this is the problem I'm going to solve. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a national resource that will help anybody anywhere. Tell us about the Milligan Foundation. I know a little bit about it because we work together on some of the yeah. technology aspects of it, but tell us about, I mean, obviously the, the impetus for it and the reason that you built it is so, so strong and so personal, but what is it? How does it help people? How do people use it? So it, when I first started the organization, it's actually funny because the organization now has been working internationally for the past three years. Uh, 
And so that's that's how big it's grown. It's um, a network of over 700 shelters that are represented in 36 countries. And so it's it's a really broad, big net. Um, I've moved people um, in Canada, in New Zealand, in Australia, in Ireland, in the UK, in several African countries. Um, the the my most proud moment although I wish, you know, it didn't happen. I mean, all of this is around, around violence, but um, what really speaks to my network is if you remember uh, a few years ago in the headlines, we had Boku Haram who had kidnapped that entire busload of school children, school girls in particular, um, but they had been doing other kidnappings and a mother and daughter had gotten away and were looking for assistance. And somehow they found one of my security professionals who was boots on the ground, who was head of security at a WHO camp um, in Nigeria. And he was like, Tracy, can we get him? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm on it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna mobilize and and get them. And so long story short. He he went in because he's a man, you know, in 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 that you know Muslim country. So he wasn't questioned, but he he got to them and really underground railroaded this mother and daughter out. It took them a week of sleeping in holes, of moving only at night, of literally bribing people to get them across the country and and across the country lines um, to the WHO camp. Uh, where they could be safe. And let me tell you, I was nail biting the whole time because in in that area, if anyone was found out that they would be helped, everyone would be killed. Yeah. You know, everyone would be killed. And because it's, you know, the area is controlled by um, the militants, also the payoffs, you know, receiving benefits for turning someone in. You know, so it was it was a nail biting time the 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 whole week, the whole week. I don't think I slept. And when I finally got the call that they had made it to to safety to the WHO camp and along with the International Rescue Committee, I I did. I shed tears on that one. It was like we can help them all, but we got two out and two counts, you know. And and you you've done this multiple times, and you've yes. always had the fear of like, is this going to be successful or not? Like, how do you? What keeps you going with all of that? That's just like the resilience that really stands out, which is an entrepreneurial trait if you think about it. But like, this is like so personal and life threatening that it takes it to like a whole different level. Can you just talk about that a little bit? What keeps me going is, I want to say is following up with the people that I help because I do stay in touch with some people. And um, there was there was one family that I moved, a woman with two children who had literally been on the run for three years. And her abuser had found her and the shelter was on lockdown. And the director called me, she said, we've got someone for you. And I said, well, let me talk to her. and when we got on the phone, she wouldn't even let me speak at first. She said, you know what? It's all right. She said, I understand you want to help, but I'm tired of running. And let me just spend this last night in peace. And I'm going to walk out front of this building and let him kill me. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not. I'm, I, this is what I do. 
You haven't met me before. You may have talked to other people at other organizations, but you have not met me. Let me do what I do. And once again, went into overdrive, dove into my network, dove, dove into the attorneys. And in 24 hours, I got her and her kids new identities, plane tickets. And it, 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 was, a, it was a full-on op because he was out there. He had guns. He had already been sentenced to jail for, for attempted murder. He had gotten out. So it was, so, I mean, I had police cordon off the block. I had two of my security teams come in. I mean, literally we got them out of that shelter, thrown in, in the back of SUVs, kind of like you see on a movie and gone and out and established in housing, um, across country. I obviously, I can't say what state, but across country with new identities. And about a month later, she sent me a picture of her children, of her son specifically having a birthday. And she said, this is the first time my son's been able to have a birthday party um, in over five years, because we've been on the run the whole time. Uh, so it's, it's moments like that. No, it's totally amazing. Makes so much sense. And like just that feeling that you were able to not just save someone, but give them some sense of normalcy so that they can live yeah. their lives. That's yeah. Awesome. And, yeah. And then another story really quickly was a young woman who I helped who was being sexually assaulted by her father. And she, she just needed gas money. She had taken the family car and had found a place to go and all she needed was gas money but she had never been on her own before she was a, she was a teenager she had just turned 18 cuz she didn't she she specifically waited so that he couldn't legally claim anything to try and track her down and so i sent her the gas money but she was so afraid she was driving uh, multiple states she drove four states to the place where she was relocating and she just drove straight through and we stayed on the phone the entire time for 18 hours. We just stayed on the phone. Her phone was plugged in. My phone was plugged in because she was just afraid to be alone. So she was one of my first cases, I want to say, um, the first year and a half that I was operating. So we are still in touch to this day. She's gone on to college. She's gotten a degree. She's bought her first condo, <laughs> uh, you know, all of that, you know, yeah. that's, that's the reward. Not only are you a dream maker, but you're allowing other people to follow their dreams and make their own dreams, which is incredible. And like, I've always known you to be a hustler in all of this, like being able to line up police and line up all the resources and everything that you do. And even at the very last minute, when you're at the, at the, at the edge of not being able to follow through, you find a way. And, and I've seen it time and time again. Do you have any stories around that? Like where the hustle comes from and how you pull that off? Like, what is it about? That? <laughs> you know, it's, I, I have, I have thought long and hard on that. So one of the things I believe in, which is my personal mantra is all things happen for a reason, all things happen for a reason and all things happen in their time. And Honestly, I put it out to the universe what I need. It's like, God, this is what I need, or, you know, just this is what I need. And so I just have this faith that if what you want truly comes from your heart, truly comes from your soul, the universe will give it to you. Yeah. And so this is, like I said, this is my passion. You know it. 
Um, and so when, when I put out to the universe that I want help and that I want to help someone, the pieces fall into place somehow, some way it, it falls into place. It manifests like it follows you. And that's, I think that's incredible. And it's a testament to you as an individual and as a, as an influencer and a rallier, but just again, like following your heart, just such an incredible thing. So let's transition from that to term payments. Tell us what term payments is about and like what inspired you to go down that path. Sure. So actually the tap root, because everything has roots, you know, the root of where something came from, but the true tap root to term payments is still actually the foundation. So as you know, it's difficult to fundraise for any nonprofit. And over the last few years, my organization has been getting more and more calls. Specifically in the last few years, my organization has gotten more calls. In the past uh, four years, domestic violence in this country has gone up almost 40% calls to help. My organization have, have actually gone up 200%. And I found myself being in the situation of having to triage cases and actually tell people no. And I've never needed to do that before. Mm. And of course, I'm this is my passion. This is my heart. And it broke my heart for me to actually have to tell people no. And I, a person who had reached out for help to my organization, um, and I had to tell no, two weeks later was a name in the paper. She had gotten murdered by her abuser. And whenever anyone calls for help or asks for help, I always do an assessment for what it would take to help them. And for her, it would have been $300. And I thought, $300 and this woman would be alive right now if I just had $300. And fundraising is not my superpower, not in any way, shape, or form, but I have had successful businesses before in the past. And as the saying goes, before you can help someone else, you need to help yourself or put on the oxygen mask. You know, I can tell you on the airplane, put on your oxygen mask before you put the mask on anyone else or your child. And so it was like, okay, I need to come up with a business idea that's putting the mask on myself, that will provide me the financial resources to fund the Milligan Foundation so that I don't ever have to hear about someone dying because I didn't have money again, because I was absolutely devastated by that. So from your perspective, it's a project of passion and uh, and it's a balance of profit and purpose. Yes. But really, what's the idea? Because I think it's a very big idea. So tell us about that. So the idea actually came from me doing online retail therapy at Netta Porter <laughs> and saw, and I'm not even a shoe, shoe girl, but when I see shoes, it's like, Ooh, I want those. <laughs> and I had seen some Louboutins and I was like, Oh my God, these are great. These are wonderful. But you know, credit cards maxed out, didn't have any, you know, expendable cash or at least not that much. Uh, Cause you know, Louboutins cost $800 and up. And I couldn't get them. And I sat and looked at these shoes and was like, ah, goodness, if they only had layaway. Mm. And that was the light bulb moment. It was like, wait a minute, layaway. This was a mama wants her shoes moment that got you there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it was there that was like, wait a minute, there's a business here. So even though there are what they call point of sale finance, Mm -hmm. which is a firm after pay, Klarna, quad pay, 
those those companies there everybody's seen them now they they they're they're pretty well saturated in in the e-commerce world world on most stores but what they are they're micro loans and micro credit so if you don't have credit you won't get approved by a firm so even though it says break this up into nice four payments if you have bad credit or don't have any credit you're still not going to qualify so how big is the pool of people that are being excluded? It's it's humongous. It's it's big. When I first um, was researching to do term to to validate the business idea to say that there's actually a market here, I went to the federal um, report of retail sales, and layaway actually makes up an average. And this is over multiple years because I found out the number in 2016. Has been following it since, but the average is 15 percent of all retail sales are done through layaway. Wow. That's a huge number. That's a huge number. (laughs) And that equates to over $116 billion annual spend. And that's insane because e-commerce isn't even catering or thinking about that audience and that market. So you're trying to bring access to luxury items or just bigger items, bigger cost items to a market that doesn't have a way to purchase them Purchase it. Yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. So when even like I said, when I saw that number, I was shocked. I was like, whoa, okay, that's (laughs) that's pretty significant. And that's just the existing market. So when you think about who the typical layaway person is and where they are and where they're shopping, you're talking about legacy stores like JCPenney, Kmart, Walmart. That's a very, very, very small, select, (laughs) limited group and limited product. And so when you think about the possibility of expanding the product selection, expanding that base, it becomes much, much bigger. And I mean, obviously I'm dipping my toes into the same market of the other companies that I mentioned, like I said, Affirm, Afterpay, QuadPay. So you look at how big they are, because each one of those companies has raised over 300 million, each of them. Each yeah. of them are valued over a billion. Uh, Klarna, the last time I looked, because I do keep track a little bit, um, Klarna completed a raise, I want to say, last month. They are now worth $56 billion. That's amazing. Huge um, market. Yeah, massive, massive market. And basically, those are the kind of people we're, we're going after the same customer, but they're still leaving people out because of the credit requirement, because of the bank account requirement, because of the debit card requirement. But with term payments, not only am I letting people shop without credit, but the secret sauce to term payments is in my effort to still serve the the core of who is using layaway, which is cash people, because they're paying with cash. These are folks that are you know going to check cashing places and using cash for all their purchases. I actually came up with a solution that allows people to shop online with cash. And so when I've been pitching, investors are like, okay, layaway is cool. We understand the market, but you just said shop online with cash. That right there, um, <laughs> and talking to um, one of the team members uh, who who are part of the development, thanks to you, um, with, uh, with the Milligan Foundation, and I was telling her about term payments, about the cash aspect. And she said, something like that over here in India would be huge because the majority of the population here still transacts in cash. cash, So now you're opening up 
the online marketplace to all these people who traditionally transact in cash. So that's there, that's countries in Africa, and even from a um, just a cultural standpoint, Germany. I have a friend who, who moved to Berlin, and over in Germany, they consider having credit there poor. So people prefer to transact in cash. Yeah, there's like a stigma associated. What I love the most about term payments is the access. And I I think it ties back to like the thing that you care about, which is giving everyone an equal opportunity, equal access. And And this brings that to the individuals that want to be able to do something bigger in cash. And that's what they have. And you're enabling it. And it's, I think it's, Pretty damn incredible. I like. I want to say, watch out, Bitcoin. Here comes Milligan Coin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there is a coin coming. There is a coin coming. That'll be <laughs> that'll be our next talk because I do have. Look, I, what I call my big baby. What I call my big baby. Look, I'm gonna plug it real quick. Um, Orinda Equal Equity, the big baby. That one is eradication of poverty. Simple, huge problem. Simple statement. Eradication of poverty. We're coming out with our own cryptocurrency that will be issued as a universal basic income with a decentralized marketplace that's global. So it's coming. Tracy has her hands in a lot of things (laughs) and all things that are meaningful and interesting. So Tracy, one of my favorite pieces of advice is never be boring. And you certainly are not. Can you talk about your love for race cars? My my mother said I was born with motor oil in my blood. You know, babies, <laughs> when they're first born, they're a little fussy. Some of them need music. Some of them need, you know, squishy toys, squeaky, whatever. For me, it was cars. She had a friend who was a mechanic who lived around the corner. And whenever I got fussy or she needed to go do something, she would roll me in my stroller and leave me sitting in the garage. <laughs> and as long as... <laughs> And as long as I was in the garage, I guess, listening to air drills, tires, whatever, I was good. That was that was my happy place as a baby. So <laughs> literally, awesome. it's it's been cars my entire life. I did not play with dolls. I had Hot Wheels. Um, I had one poor doll because, you know, my, my, my educational background is actually medicine. That was what I did in the Army as a combat medic. And did search and I was certified for search and rescue and the whole bit, but um, <laughs> it's it's I had one doll that doll was cut to pieces because <laughs> I was operating on it. That was the sole purpose for me even having a doll. It didn't get dressed up, makeup, hair done. No, it was chopped up from all the surgeries <laughs> I was doing on it. After that, it was it was all cars. cars, and I still have my Hot Wheels collection to this day. I am, and I just did a count of my cars. I'm 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 pushing eight thousand cars. Oh my goodness! Which is oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if I even wanted to know that about you. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so we cut. Co- we covered never be boring because you're such an interesting person, and you literally you have so many interests and so many hobbies and so many projects of passion that I just think it's it's super remarkable. And I appreciate you sharing all of these stories and inspiring people along the way. So, if you're Talking to someone younger that's, you know, wanting to be inspired, wanting to get on a journey to follow their projects of passion or just to, to do something with the passions that they have, how would you inspire them? What would you tell them? What would be your advice? I would say follow, your, follow yourself. Don't listen to anybody. <laughs> Don't listen to anybody. Follow, follow yourself because your dreams are yours and no one else is going to understand them. 
and people will try and talk you down or dissuade you um, simply because they don't understand, or maybe they can't think that big for themselves. And so really follow your own heart, find people that align with what you want to do. I am a huge, huge, huge believer in mentors. And a lot of what I do, I couldn't have done without the introductions and me just, hey, how are you doing? I want to do this. And <laughs> Absolutely. would you mind helping me? Could I have a 15 minute phone call? You know, and but that's what I've done over and over and over and over again. And I mean, even back to when I was a kid, like I said, most of my education is uh, around medicine. And like I said, I was I was one of those little kids that was hyper-focused on being a doctor. And I told our family physician I wanted to be a doctor. And so every year he would give me a PDR, a physician's desk reference. So as soon as they'd issue a new one, he'd get the new one, he'd give me the old one, and I'd read it like it was a novel. And so I constantly put myself in positions to talk to people who were already where I wanted to be or doing what I already wanted to do and gain knowledge from them. And when when I would get to a point where I could actively help them or work with them, I would do it. I would take any opportunity and work my way up. And with that, even the plumbing, because <laughs> they said I was a plumber. Um, when I when I left entertainment, I was I worked I worked for worked in a cubicle, you know, and going from red carpet, movie screenings, recording studios to sitting in a cubicle for 40 hours a week? No, no. Yeah. But I love to work with my hands. I, I have tools. Tracy is your fix-it person. You have something broken, you call me, I'll come fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so spoken like a true dream maker. And I totally agree with you, especially about building a network and reaching into it and asking for help and being willing to also provide help yourself. I mean, I think that's how we met. We met at a networking conference and we stayed in touch and we've helped each other over the last few years along the way. And hopefully we'll continue to do that on our forward journeys. So one thing I've always loved with you, Tracy, is similar to me, there's this sort of just do it attitude. Like if you don't have the right person or the right access or the right experience, you kind of figure it out and do it. Can you talk about an experience where you kind of just did that? <laughs> just do it. So with, <laughs> with actually everything, with, um, with the foundation. Uh, so the foundation is extremely tech heavy very tech heavy because I knew that I wanted to scale to an international organization and Salesforce has been with me since day one, but Salesforce administrators make $90,000 a year. <laughs> and I didn't have that when I first started the foundation. So I literally read every white paper, watched every tutorial video, like YouTube pause, do this, pause, do this, pause, just all the way through it to the point where I should probably take the Salesforce administrator um, certification just to make it official. And then with term payments, um, it's it's been app development. And because part of term, if you're an account holder with term, you have to have the app. There's, there's a whole payment solution in initiating the layaway and selecting you know, how many months that you want to, to have your layaway for. And, you know, I was, I was pitching this to VCs because it is a venture capital um, backable company. 
because there is there is a delineation there between is your business, you know, does it qualify for venture capital or is it just something you should just do your damn self at home? But um, one of the things that I kept hearing over and over again from VCs is, oh, you need a technical co-founder. You need a technical co-founder. And so I was like, okay, well, let me find a technical co-founder. <laughs> and really, I couldn't find anyone because this it all comes from a place of passion. So it's like, if you don't have that same drive, it's it's really hard to give up a part of your company who you eventually want to scale and sell or IPO specifically to fund a domestic violence organization. It's like, sorry, you know, if you come on as a founder, yes, you could be potentially worth, you know, billions one day or hundreds of millions, but I would ask you to forego a chunk of that to, <laughs> you know, go to a domestic violence nonprofit. Um, it, it would seem like it's a, it's, it's not a hard ask, but when you're asking someone to come on who may not have that passion or it may not touch their spirit or soul or heart, um, it's a, it's a hard thing to ask. For sure. Co-founders are all about having shared values and it, and it, like, it's important to pick the right one for sure. Yeah. And so after, Ooh, seven months of looking for a technical co-founder. I said, you know what? The only reason they're saying I need a technical co-founder is because I'm not technical myself. So let me get technical. <laughs> so, um, so I applied at General Assembly and did their online work and Udemy their PHP, Python, C sharp sharp. It's just, it's like, you know what? I'm because I was burning more time looking for a technical co-founder instead of building my product. And the whole point is build your product, build your product, get it out there, get it to the MVP, the minimal viable product, get some money in, and then hire the expert. Yeah. And 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 in that way, I'm still I'm still maintaining, you know, a good percentage of my company. And I haven't given up anything just because I couldn't code. That's incredible. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to move into rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you some fast questions and just try to answer on your toes. Let's start with this one. What is your wake up song? Wake up song. Oh, gosh, that one's so because I have I actually have a playlist <laughs> called Motivation. Yeah. that I listen to before I go into a meeting or a pitch or anything like that. And it actually starts out with a Jennifer Hudson song called I Got This. Oh, good. That's a good one. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to make a playlist of all the wake up songs from the Dream Makers. So that's going on it for sure. Awesome. If 19 year old you asked you today what you should read or listen to, what would you say? Read Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell people now. Read Think and Grow Rich. That is the mindset hack book. So we talk about, we touched a little bit about manifesting and all things happen for a reason. Think and Grow Rich, it's a cheesy title because the book was written at the time of the Great Depression. So the English is from then. So again, it's not modern speak, so it is a little cheesy, but it is absolutely the mind hack to success. And I honestly, I follow it. Like I even have alarms set up on my phone that I have my personal mantras that I do every day at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. I have a mental check-in 
at 1230 is like, where am I at right now today? You know, check myself. I love the very tactical advice that you just gave. I mean, I um, so I have a thing with Tuesdays at noon and I lived in San Francisco for 20 years. And every Tuesday at noon, the, the foghorn would go off as like an emergency trial. And yes, yes, every time that happens, I used to say, okay, this is my moment to let go of all things bad and retain all things good and just move forward with the good. And so I continued to force myself to be an improvement of my last self from a week before. And so I, I love that that's like a reminder that's just set in your brain and is a part of your, your function. Okay, next question. Can you recommend a wine given that we're on the Dream Makers podcast ah, and drinking yes. wine together? So I'm in California. <laughs> so I'm close to wine country and I do go out and do my wine tasting. And two years ago, I came across this small family winery called Prager Port Works. And it's a port. So it's um, it's wine aged in a brandy barrel. Is it brandy? I believe it's brandy. It's fortified with brandy, typically. It was the most delicious thing ever. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit of sweet. It still has that little bit of acid. Yeah. Um, I think I've literally tried everything that they have there. I signed up for their club immediately. I did not leave there without signing up for the club because it is worth every penny. Every time I open a bottle, I tell myself, pace yourself. Don't drink the entire bottle in one sitting. Hasn't happened yet. Thank you. So the Tawny Port, the Tawny Port, That's that one specifically. I will be sending Tracy a bottle of Tawny Port to, <laughs> to thank her. And so Tracy, thank you for joining me on the Dream Makers podcast. It was such a lovely pleasure to catch up with you and to see you and to learn more about your journey. Thanks again for oh, sharing. No. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. It was fun. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Dream Makers podcast. You can reach out to me, Neha Sampat, on Twitter at NehaSF, that's N-E-H-A-S-F, with comments, suggestions, your favorite wake-up song, favorite wine, or a dream maker woman to know. Please also leave a review and subscribe to Dreammakers wherever you get your podcasts. Keep dreaming big, building up, and doing good.